Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Good to be with you in worship uh, after Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, you can turn in your Bibles, if you'd like, to um, <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll be looking at the first um, 14 verses this morning. Uh, just to give you a little context, uh, so uh, Israel's not doing super well at this time, and so they've um, sinned against God, and so God's brought in Babylon, so Babylon's ruling Israel, and they've taken a lot of people uh, exile in Babylon, and... Um, so there's Jeremiah mostly is kind of dealing with what's going on. He's in Israel. He's in Jerusalem, mostly dealing with what's going, what's going on there. But he's, he writes uh, this letter is written to the exiles far away. So someone brings it to them. And so uh, it's a letter of encouragement um, just to give you a little context. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of the Lord. I was, um, I remember a few years ago, uh, it was kind of later in the evening, the sun was going down, I was at a park, and um, there was a woman there, and and she was with her granddaughter. Uh, it seemed like maybe there was a bit of a broken family situation, like this girl probably should have been getting ready for bed, but she was, uh, her grandmother was watching her at this park, and uh, so I was speaking with her, and um, kind of a theme of, of her conversation, something that came up 
a uh, few times with her was uh, a nice place to live. She mentioned, you know, a nice place to live is sort of the thing that, that she, she wanted a nice place to live. Uh, she wanted a nice home. She was at a, at a you know, at a, a nice park at night, but she wanted uh, to have a home. It's a great desire to be home. Uh, we have a letter to exiles today that want to be home. People that have been taken from their home and they have to stay there and they have to wait. And that's hard. Uh, so just to give more context, um, the, so, so Israel, they've, they've sinned against God. This, they've kind of brought this on themselves. And uh, the, Jeremiah, he has this kind of, he's, he's often called the weeping prophet uh, because he tells people what they don't want to hear for his whole life. And um, so what they need to hear. And so the people, they can't, you know, they can't wait. They're going up the mountains. The, the, the Bible calls them the high places. They can't wait to go up, go up the mountain and just bow down to whatever statue is there. The, the Israel's very lost in idolatry. They're not worshiping God. Uh, and so Jeremiah calls them to turn, to, um, to, to, to turn in repentance, to come back to the Lord. Uh, and then in Jerusalem, uh, Babylon hasn't taken everyone out there. They've taken other, a lot of people, but there's still a lot of people left in Jerusalem. And uh, there's sort of this, similar to today, to today in America in some ways, uh, there's sort of an unbiblical nationalism uh, that's in the water. And so people are saying, don't worry, you know, ba- soon we're going to overthrow Babylon. Everything's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Uh, and Jeremiah is just saying, nope, nope, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. And, and they don't like to hear that. So, uh, so he has to do this for 40 years. So it's, it's 52 chapters uh, and Jeremiah is just kind of getting beat up the whole time, still saying what God tells him to say. Uh, and then finally, at the end, Babylon does kind of come in and finish, finish it off and destroy uh, Jerusalem. Uh, so our chapter, though, is different. Uh, Jeremiah, he writes a letter to the exiles that are really struggling far away uh, from Jerusalem, a letter of encouragement. And uh, so this is 750 miles uh, away. Uh, so you can imagine these uh, two people carrying this letter in their pocket uh, to tell them, uh, so Babylon is, it's kind of uh, the Google project where it's like, let's just get all the smartest people in the room and we'll figure out how to dominate the world even more than we already are. So that's what they're trying to do. So they take um, the, uh, you may have you know, read the prophet Daniel before. Daniel was one of those people from Israel that, that Babylon's sort of taking uh, all the skilled laborers, all the high-ranking officials, taking them to Babylon uh, to, to, to try to make their city even greater. Now, Jeremiah, he probably would have liked to write a lot of letters like this, uh, letters of encouragement. It's more fun to encourage discouraged people than it is to call them to, you know, rebuke. That's not real fun, but that's almost exclusively what his ministry was. Um, so Jeremiah, he is, uh, when when reading it, uh, he's he's a type of Christ. So that there's he does a lot of things that are like Jesus. Uh, but there also are times where when you, when you read it, you can apply yourself. Um, you can kind of hear the words uh, as Jeremiah. But a lot of times he is like Jesus, that we can appreciate um, kind of the shadows that Jesus, Jesus kind of fulfills uh, completely what, how Jeremiah is functioning to God's people. But most of the time, sadly, we kind of, the words that Jeremiah says are applied to us, and we can see ourselves in the Israelites. Um, but in chapter 29, we can be encouraged. These, these words are words of encouragement. 
Um, so before Babylon kind of destroyed Israel completely, they're kind of they're paying tribute. That's what's going. That Babylon controls them. They've put a king in that they can control even more, um, and uh, so that's who that's who he's saying. No, no, no! You're not going to overthrow Babylon. They're going to they're going to take you down. You need to repent. When we um, when we were in Malaysia, we kind of did the same thing we do now. We were I was an RUF global campus minister in Malaysia. Uh, the only difference was it was a lot of Muslims and um, it was hot for 12 months out of the year instead of three months out of the year. So, uh, but we had a lot of college students that were they were the reason that they came to our Bible studies. Uh, was because they were curious that we were American. They wanted to know us, and, and they never met an American before, and so they were there. And I, and I remember uh, one student at, at one point, I was talking to him, and he said, um, he said I, I want to go to America. It is like Disneyland where you will be happy all the time. Most of the people, when I talked to them, I realized that if you kind of got them thinking about, got them talking about America, almost everything that was going through their mind was what should have been going through their mind if you said, if you started thinking about heaven. That's, that's what was going on. And so this, it was often sad because these people would work for these big companies uh, and realize their dream. They would get transferred to the U.S., uh, and they would get there, and they would be sad. They'd be disappointed because they were trying to get they were trying to get to the wrong place, and they didn't realize they were trying to get to the wrong place until they got there. Uh, so there's there's two words uh, that we that I think are worth kind of defining, redefining in our text today. The first is exile. An exile is a person that's been kicked out of their home. They're not home. Uh, I was reading uh, my kids a, a Bible storybook. I can't remember the name. I think it's either like my, the biggest story or the greatest story or something like that. But the subtitle is great. It's how the snake crusher brings us back to the garden. How the snake crusher brings us back to the garden. Jesus, the snake crusher, he stops the devil, but he brings us back to the garden. That, um, so I'm going to argue that that we're exiles. We are exiles just like God's people in our text today. Uh, Adam and Eve, the first two humans, they sinned against God. They went against God. And so God, they, had to, they, they broke the relationship, the perfect relationship they had with God. And so they were sent out of the garden. And we also have sinned. And we're not in the garden. We're not with God. We don't have that perfectly. We're waiting for that. So we, can, we also are exiles. Uh, the second word to mention is, is shalom. Uh, this is, you may have heard this word before. Uh, it's not an English word. It's a Hebrew word. It's a, um, a, a word. The, the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, is written in Hebrew. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of it's all over the Old Testament. Uh, and often it's translated peace, uh, but it means kind of more than that. It means full peace, like uh, a full exhale. Uh, everything that you, um, the, the, everything off of your back, everything relaxed the um it it brings your soul to where it wants to be it's what we all want whether we know it or not uh, in our text uh, in verses 7 and 11 it's translated welfare uh, seek the shalom of the city uh, so shalom and exile uh, so two points uh today 
the first is the Lord sends his people to seek the shalom, seek the welfare of the city. Uh, and the Lord sends his people um, to seek him and wait while they wait. Seek him and wait. Uh, so the Lord sends his people to seek the welfare of the city. So, um, so Babylon, they have this kind of puppet king there. They're, they're controlling Israel. Um, and a lot of people have kind of forcefully been brought to, um, to Babylon. Now, Jerusalem's the capital city of Israel, so, and they're not there. Uh, and so these, you know, our brothers and sisters a long time ago are getting a message they do not like, which is you have to stay there for 70 years. They're going to be, they're going to have to wait for 70 years before they get to go back to Jerusalem. Um, and it's good that they want to go back to Jerusalem. It's, it's good. That's where they're supposed to be. Uh, but the message, even though it's discouraging, it's 70 years, it's encouraging, it's hopeful, uh, it's good. And so, so he, Jeremiah says, build homes and plant vineyards, uh, have sons and daughters, uh, get them married, increase and do not decrease, uh, seek the welfare, seek the shalom of the city. Uh, this is how they were living then, uh, and it's, it's exactly how God calls his people to live today. Uh, we also are not home. Uh, we want to be home now, but we have to wait. So we are exiles. Um, that's our current identity. Uh, so we should probably explain where home is. What is home? Uh, now, you may think that you feel like you are at home. That's good. That, that means maybe your parents did a good job. You know, you felt like you were at home. That's part of a parent's job. Uh, to f- have help someone under- help their child understand that, uh, but home for God's people uh, is something that they get a, a great taste of every week when they worship with their brothers and sisters and they worship God. If you are a Christian, you are home right now, and you're going to go back to being in exile this week. Every week, so God He causes people to live as exiles as he did a long time ago. Uh, but it, eventually, Christians will be home. And the Bible calls that place the new heavens and the new earth. The, uh, so the, the new heavens and new earth, it's right here. But everything's made new. Uh, that things work the way they're supposed to. Uh, things breaking all the time, uh, plants not growing right, cancer, it's all fixed. Uh, but the, that's not the main part. That's not the main good thing about it. The main good thing about it is that Jesus is there. The Bible says face to face. God's people will see him face to face. Over and over he says that. Uh, God who loves you, he wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you. And he will be forever. And when you see him, you'll be home. And then you'll never not be home again. Excuse me, my, uh, it's not loading, so I'm going to switch over to my phone here. Uh, um, so, the, so you're made for the world made new uh, with Jesus face to face. I remember when Marissa and I were dating, 
we, uh, I remember going to her hometown for the first time. And so, you know, it's a small town, LaGrange, Georgia. And so we're, we're driving there, and we drove past a, uh, a, a massive house, a, a giant house there. And I, so I said, oh, who lives there? And, uh, and she said, nobody. Uh, so this guy, apparently, he had, uh, the phrase that had uh, sort of, I had heard, used a few times was, he had always wanted to live in a mansion. And so he had, I guess he had spent years building this house, and uh, he died the year that he finished it. Almost immediately, he never, he, he, bar- he never even lived in this house that he spent his whole life building, his whole life saving for and then building. Uh, he died, and so no one lived uh, in this house. We are not at home, so don't try to be. Let the Lord wait on the Lord. Uh, it's, a ta- it's, it's, you know, it's a temptation for everyone to try to build heaven on earth. And it, it just doesn't work. Uh, the, it's, it's not fun to wait. Uh, and, and sometimes you see a lot of people in the same cities kind of thinking this way. I, I've, in, my, in my life, in my experience, I've been to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I've been to uh, Austin, Texas. These places where uh, a lot of people are kind of, uh, they're, they're trying to build heaven on earth there. That uh, people in Austin, Texas, I kind of get the feeling that they, um, they're thinking, you know, one life to live. I just want to live it in Austin. That's kind of how they're thinking. Now, I, I love Houston. Now, Houston's got its problems, right? I, and, and I don't know this you know, first, I don't know this myself. I just hear this. There's greed, but it's not as much of an issue, I feel like, in Houston. that people are kind of working hard, maybe for greed. That's not good, but, um, but I don't see as much kind of heaven-on-earth project work uh, in Houston, Texas, which I'm thankful for. Um, <clears throat> so now a lot of – now. So don't be foolish. Don't, you know, like that old guy, like people that try to build heaven on earth, wait on the Lord. Uh, the, go, where the, go where God wants you to go. Now, ideally, you won't go by force. Ideally, you won't go because of your sin like the people, like our brothers and sisters a long time ago. Now, some of these people that got taken to, into exile, Daniel, I think, was faithful. He just kind of got swept up in the midst of a sinful nation uh, and taken, but he still had to do that. Um, so... I don't know how you feel about America, uh, but for every Christian, uh, wherever, every, wherever any of God's people live, it's helpful to think about to, they're in Babylon. They're not at home. That it's, uh, it's, it's nice uh, to be in a place where there's a lot of people that love God, but still there's always forces against that, that it's, that it's still not home. Uh, Christians seek the shalom of the city. Uh, they're not in love with it, but they love it. They love the city, uh, waiting eagerly, hopefully, uh, for where they're going in the future. Uh, and, and with the new heavens and the new earth, with letting heaven be heaven, it's helpful to remember Jesus. He's the ultimate exile. He left heaven. He didn't have to do that. Uh, he, he, had, he came here to be poor, to be hated, to be killed, so that we could be saved, 
I know that it's been an uncomfortable for a lot of you to plant this church. You didn't have to do it. Uh, if, if you're new here, it's, this church is about a year old. It's, it's been a lot of work for a lot of people to do it. Uh, it's exile work. Uh, exile church planting, it doesn't happen on its own. But, uh, it was funny. Last week, my, I had my in-laws in town. And so my, uh, y'all were very kind to host my in-laws at the Friendsgiving party. And so my, my, <laughs> my mother-in-law, she said to Judy, she said, well, I hope it's not too much to clean up <laughs> as we were leaving. It's a lot of work to clean up, you know. So, uh, so great work. Thank you, Jack and Judy. It was a great party. The uh, it's and there are places all over the world that that are dark. They have no Jesus. They need the light of the gospel. Uh, they needed some exiles to go there and shine the light of the gospel on them. Uh, now, this may sound strange, or it may sound. Um, too basic, I don't know. But having babies is part of exile work. Uh, we see that when God says, do not decrease, he's, he has having babies in mind. Um, and also parenting. Uh, it's hard to be a, a genuine Christian, especially when you have small children provoking the worst parts of you out of the... It, it's hard work to, to take someone that's a rebel, you know, that we were all rebels and so are they, and, and to, to love them and point them to Jesus. It's hard to teach about God. Um, I read a, a book a few years ago that had a funny title. Uh, it was called What to Expect When No One's Expecting. It's a, it's a book on demographics, and, and, the, and there's only, there are only three countries. I, I hear this. I don't, know, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I still hear people talk about overpopulation. There's only three countries in the world that are replacing themselves. Syria, some country in Africa, I, I can't remember the third. All, all war areas, I don't know, conflict zones. But every single other country is, is decreasing. And that's not how God calls uh, his people to live. Um, and as I was thinking about, that kind of came to mind as I was reading verse 5. And I thought that having children is such a hopeful thing. There, there, you have to have kind of some optimism about the future to have a child. And I wonder if the reason that that's not, one of the reasons uh, that you see, that we see this, is because there's, there's not hope. People don't have the hope of Jesus. <laughs> the, the word, one other thing to mention there is, the, um, the word there is uh, to increase is often translated great. Um, become great. And so uh, when Israel was in Egypt, uh, it wasn't just a bunch of people that, that they, kept, they kept becoming more and more numerous. The Egyptians were afraid of them. The Lord's, by the Lord's blessing, they became great. They increased. Uh, so I'm an RUF campus minister uh, at Rice. I go to Rice. And so I try to do kind of the football coach thing where I pick a few phrases and say them a lot of times to try to make sure you get like the foundational thing or whatever. And the so the motto for RUF, the motto phrase is reaching students for Christ and equipping them to serve. Reaching students for Christ and equipping them to serve. Uh, it's a lot of work to dig up a student and try to explain the gospel to them, uh, to help them grow, uh, to encourage. And, I, and I've received, I received a ton of that. I'm so thankful that I get to do that now. But that's what uh, this increasing looks like, loving your neighbor, pointing them to Jesus, discipling them. When we were in Malaysia, uh, the, the church there is young. It's, it's, a, it's not a baby. It's probably a teenager. 
Uh, but a lot of uh, our brothers and sisters there, they are first-generation Christians. You know, they, they were born into a family that was not Christian. Uh, many of them told their parents the good news about Jesus, eventually heard it and, and told their parents and brought them to Jesus as well. And uh, one thing that kind of it took me a while, the more I got to know my Malaysian Christians and my brothers and sisters there, the more I realized that they, they had kind of a... Um, they all kind of believe the same thing, which was the Americans will tell us the gospel. The Americans will tell us about Jesus. They knew how much sacrifice, how much work it took to train a pastor, to send his family over there uh, to tell them the good news, uh, to, train, to, to pastor them, to come alongside them. Now, you may wonder what it means to seek the welfare, to seek the shalom of the city. Uh, it's true that uh, Christians in the, the welfare of the city, they have their, their welfare. And so when people are lying and cheating and stealing from each other all the time, that's a very bad and difficult place to live. I've been to a, a decent number of places that, by God's grace, they still function. Uh, I've heard of places that it's just people stealing and lying to each other all the time. Uh, I'm very thankful uh, for, uh, for Houston, for how well Houston functions uh, but the people in those places, they suffer far more uh, than, uh, than people here. There's much more political corruption uh, and sin there, uh, so, <laughs> which that may sound ridiculous to say, because there's still a lot of sin. It's comparatively, you know, it's better here. But, um, but historically, Christians, they've landed at a lot of places um, that all kind of add to seeking the welfare of the city hospitals, you know, every hospital, Methodist, Baptist, all, you know, the, uh, mission, um, orphanages, helping the poor, uh, lots of time and energy to explain the good news about Jesus to people, uh, missions, sending people to other places, uh, to plant churches, lots of neighbor loving. Uh, so if you're a Christian, uh, reflect on this aspect of loving your neighbor is is your life do you do you think you're where God wants you to be in terms of structure how how is your time spent how is your energy spent um, because when we do that better uh, God's name is made greater um, it's it's how God intends so uh, church plants are a wonderful way to do that praise the Lord now one thing that um, may be helpful in terms of an application uh, is the um, I heard once someone say that when the Bible speaks of kind of diversity, when it speaks of it positively, what it means is economic. It means financial. And so that was kind of one of those things that I thought was strange and was in the back of my mind whenever I read the Bible um, that it just stuck there. And I was like, is that really what it's saying? Uh, maybe you make minimum wage. But if you don't, do you, maybe do you have any friends that make minimum wage or, or that, that are um, – Lower that rice. So I'm at Rice. Rice is such a cool place, uh, but it can be hard for Christians because everybody's smart, everybody works hard. Um, God cares about these other people, uh, so maybe you could. Um, it would be wise. Uh, it would be the most God glorifying thing that you could do, that we could do together, um, to have a f- make a friend that the world has forgotten. Uh, so that's point one. Uh, the Lord sends his people to seek the welfare of the city. Uh, point two, the Lord sends us to seek him and wait. Uh, so Babylon's far. 
750 miles. I'm from Alabama. That's, you know, that, it's 700 miles to get to my hometown. It, it's, it just doesn't get any shorter whenever we do it. And it's far. Imagine what it would be like for our brothers and sisters a long time ago. Every single step, they're getting further away from their home that they're supposed to be in, that they want to be in. How discouraging that would be to be taken to that Babylon's modern-day Baghdad in, in Iraq. That's, that's where it is. Uh, how desperate you'd feel if that was you. Uh, it was bad, but God had plans for them. Now, I hope you can see that uh, when God makes his people wait, uh, whatever he's having them wait for, uh, that he has his reasons. It's not easy. I don't like waiting, but God has good reasons for what he does. Seventy years. Uh, Most of God's people in Babylon, they would die before they were able to come back. Israel. They would die there. That's hard news to get. You're never coming back, but your kids will. That's, that's kind of how they would think about it. Uh, and one reason that's not the reason that God does this is to keep you from having a good time. That's not why God does these things. He always saves the best for his people, the good for them. And I wouldn't choose it, but it, it grows our character. We need better character. We need to grow. Uh, and God wants that for us. He wants us to be holy. That he wants us to be like him, uh, good and honest and kind. Uh, and waiting, uh, it's difficult, but it does. It grows us in, uh, in patience, in hope, in holiness. Now, one of the temptations is to say that people are going to be okay soon. People will always say this. You can always find people that will tell you what you want to hear. Um, the, this happened all the time in Jeremiah. It happens all the time now. Uh, that uh, Jeremiah, he had competing, competing false prophets throughout his ministry the entire time. Uh, they're all saying, we're not going back to Babylon. We're going to be fine so be careful with the messages that you hear. Uh, don't just hear what you want to hear. Hear the truth. I heard a story, or a friend of mine told me about two of his friends uh, recently that this, it really spooked me. Uh, he's, my friend, I think he's 53, 54, or something like that. And so he has these two friends that um, they've been in church for a long time. They love their church serve there, uh, and they just kind of seemingly out of the blue have left their wives, not for um, other women, not for, uh, you know, all these, not alcohol, for work. They left them for work. So one of them got, uh, he got snubbed in a family business. The, the, the family business kind of, it, sh- it should have gone to him. It was, it was unfair, but it he had so much bitterness that he just couldn't take it. His wife does not know where he lives. And the other took a job uh, a thousand miles away. And uh, he, he pays the bills. He's just not there. 
And it's made me realize that whatever longing I have that's not the new heavens and the new earth, whatever longing I have that's not good, it, it can, it, I need to be praying against it. It'll, it'll, it it's not just going to go away. I might could get through this year, maybe next year, but eventually um, whatever's there in my heart will, will grow. And so um, it can, you know, if, if the heart work is not put in, kind of rooting out, take, letting God's promises replace whatever lies we believe, uh, it can end in that kind of wreckage. Uh, it's, it's so sad to fail in waiting. Waiting failure. Uh, so if you are a Christian, I would encourage you uh, to take time to think about the world made new. Uh, there's a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Uh, 300 years ago, uh, he was a, kind of a well-known pastor. And one of his weekly practices was he would take one hour to think about heaven, to think about seeing Jesus face to face. Um, now, he will be smiling at you. Now, if, if Jesus had not come, if he had not taken uh, your place and you still had sin between you and God, your sin was still breaking your relationship with God, uh, maybe you imagine God with a, a scowl on his face. That scowl would be there if it weren't for Jesus. But because of what he's done, God will be smiling at you when you see him. It will be shalom. Uh, the problem of your sins will be gone. There will be full peace. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, think about what you're looking for. Is this silly? Uh, is this life in exile thing? Just does it make no sense? Is your philosophy in life, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die? If you're not a Christian, think about what God tells his people about what he's doing. Uh, letting them be exiles, calling them to love their neighbor, to be a blessing to increase. John Payton was a, uh, he was Scottish. He, he went to the New Hebrides Islands, there, um, to the northeast of Australia. Uh, and in the 1840s, 50s, 60s, uh, that's when he was there. And they, people were, uh, so the tribe that he went to, to, to serve there were cannibals. And so people were constantly trying to kill him and eat him. And so he, so he goes there and his wife dies, his son dies of disease. Not, they weren't killed, but um, of disease. And at one point, the natives kind of got extra crazy one night. They had their guns out. And so he had some friends that were natives there. And, he, um, and so they were like, you can't stay in your house. Uh, we're going to hide you in a tree for the night. And so they take him, they get him up in this tree. And, um, and so he, he writes about that night. He, he, um, his autobiography is one of my favorite books I've ever read. But so he, and so he writes about that night, and he says this, I climbed into the tree and was left there alone in the bush. Uh, the hours I spent there uh, were like, I, I remember them like yesterday. I heard the frequent discharge of muskets and the yells of the savages, yet I sat there among the branches as safe as in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly to my soul than when the moonlight flickered among those chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus. Alone, yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree. 
to feel again my Savior's spiritual presence, to enjoy his consoling fellowship. So this exile, he ended up in this horrible situation. People trying to kill him. By the way, he died of old age. He also, on the, you know, along the way, the Lord not only protected him, uh, but he used him to bring many of those cannibals to know Jesus. And in that tree alone, he was not alone. He was home. Jesus was with him. Uh, so wherever you're at, hope in your future. Uh, the Christian life of exile, uh, it's hard, but it has wonderful reprieves, like right now, where we can worship the Lord together. You are home right now. Now, aching is part of the Christian life. We can ache together. Taylor talked about this, lament. We can lament together. Uh, but then we can go back and love our Babylonian neighbors. Someday, uh, if Jesus is your hope, you will see him, and you'll never not be home again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your wonderful promises. Lord, it's hard to wait. Uh, we pray uh, that you, uh, that we would remind ourselves of your many wonderful promises and that you would give us the strength to wait. Uh, and we pray that that waiting would have your desired effect in each of our hearts, Lord. Uh, thank you for the wonderful hope that we will see you face to face. We pray that uh, we would make your name great as you call us to uh, in seeking the shalom of the city as exiles. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>